the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the first Sunday of the Blessed Month of Buna, and uh, this month focuses on the work of the Holy Spirit and the life of the uh, Church and the Apostles. And we see in the beginning of this Gospel, the disciples come to the Lord and they ask Him an important question. And they said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught His disciples. And the Lord responded to them and didn't say to them, okay, just say whatever it's on your heart, just say whatever. But He says, when you pray, say. And He gave them a prescription of how they should pray. And this prayer is what we pray in church, you know, uh, and our prayers every day. But the point I want to focus on today is the idea here of discipleship. So the Lord chose 12 and He called them His disciples. Then those disciples came to Him and said, teach us to pray just as John taught what? His disciples. So this idea of discipleship is very critical in the life of every Christian. So I'd like to speak in these next couple of weeks about discipleship. Um, and especially in the Orthodox understanding uh, about discipleship. And this was, of course, as I said, something that was that Christ wanted for every believer who was an intimate uh, believer or an intimate had an intimate relationship with Him. So these twelve were the ones He began preaching to, and these are the ones He had the most intimate relationship with. And He desires the same for all of us to have this kind of intimate relationship. So, in the same sense, we too need to be uh, disciples. So I'll speak today about uh, this idea of discipleship and the spiritual fatherhood. Um, what is a disciple first? A disciple is somebody who's committed to following the Lord Jesus Christ and to learning from Him and learn from Him. So it's somebody who has this commitment. You know, I wouldn't say myself as a disciple of maybe one of my teachers in school because I only gain information from them and I don't spend much time with them, just maybe an hour a day or a couple of hours a week, right? I learn from them, but I wouldn't say I'm a disciple. A disciple not only learns the information, but learns how to follow uh, uh, the, their life. Um, in, uh, in Arabic, there's a word we say for disciple is what? Talmiz. And actually in Arabic, the same word is used for three different English words. The pupil is Talmiz, the student is Talmiz, and also the disciple is Talmiz. Why? What's the difference between the three of these? The pupil is this young student who, how we teach them is by just feeding them uh, information. It's like the pupil. The pupil of the eye, what's its job? is to just gather the light and the information from the world around. This passive kind of knowledge, right? So as a pupil, when they're young, we stuff them with information because their mind is still empty and they memorize very quickly and they can get it like that. As they get a little bit older and they begin to understand and comprehend and analyze, we call them, instead of pupils, we call them students. How does the student study? Or how does, how does the student learn? By studying, right? The student, you give them a task, give them something to read, and they can read and analyze and come up with something of their own, right? So this we call the student. They learn by studying. Then the higher form of learning is by discipleship or a disciple. And how does the disciple learn? The disciple learns from learning the discipline. Learning a discipline. What does this mean? 
learning not only is now the information, but now the application of the information and how to apply this in my own life and in whatever you know field that I'm studying. It's the application of the knowledge into life, right? So these three forms of any disciple of Christ, we learn in the three ways. One is the passive information that you guys perhaps are receiving now in the sermon um, and maybe in Sunday school. We learn by studying, by maybe having homework assignments and hymns or in uh, the Sunday school class. And then we learn by discipleship, by observing the servants and observing the people around us and how they live their Christian life. Today I was coming in uh, to the church and uh, one of the youth came in and he just bowed before and bowed uh, in the, in the, as he entered into the church. And there was a younger kid who followed him and perhaps never did this before, but because he saw an older kid do this, he did the exact same thing. And he followed exactly what he did. Doing something like this, and you see some people, they'll come and they'll kiss the doors of the church or they'll bow down you know, before they even enter the church. There's nothing that's really taught. It's usually something that uh, is observed. Right, something that's observed. So learning this life is a disciple. And it's a lifelong journey of spiritual growth and transformation of my own life into the image of Christ through those who represent Him. So there are some people that will say, I can accept a wuna for being a disciple of Christ, but what about being a disciple of the church? I can accept being a disciple of Christ but not the church because the church is a man institution, a human institution. And I don't want to be a disciple of humans, I want to be a disciple of Christ who uh, is God. But can, a, can I be a disciple of Christ without being a disciple of the church? The early, the early disciples and apostles, they were all called the church. All the early believers, they were called the church. Look what St. Paul says in Ephesians. He says, Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. So he attributes himself as being the head and the body as being the church. Can you separate the head from the body and still be alive? No. The head is part of the body just as the body is part of the head. Right? So I can't say I'm going to be a disciple of, of Christ and not be a disciple of the church because they ought to be one and the same, or they are one and the same. And also, the Lord Christ himself, he attributes himself to the body. If you remember when Saint Paul, when uh, the Lord Jesus went and appeared to St. Paul, and he said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting, what does he say? Me. So why are you persecuting me? Did St. Paul ever persecute the Lord Jesus? No. He didn't, right? But he's saying here why? Because when you persecute my body, my the Christians, the believers, as if you want to persecute me. So being a disciple of the church is synonymous with being a disciple of Christ. And a key aspect to our discipleship is the submission to spiritual authority and guidance through a spiritual father. This is a critical part. This idea of discipleship, having a spiritual father and a guide. So who is the spiritual father? One of the Eastern Orthodox writers, he says what? One who climbs a mountain for the first time needs to follow a known route, and he needs to have with him an, a, a, as companion and guide someone who has been up before and is familiar with the way. 
To serve as such a companion and guide is precisely the role of the Abba or spiritual father. So the, the purpose of the spiritual father is to be a guide in our spiritual life. And you might say, okay, well, I don't need a guide in my spiritual life. I can do things on my own. But when I do things on my own, the risk of being lost is very high. If you're saying, okay, I want to climb a mountain. Yes, can you climb the mountain on your own? Yeah, you can surely climb the mountain on your own. Maybe. You know, you may not get there. Those many people have tried to climb Mount Everest and never got there, never got to the pinnacle. They died before they got there, right? But then if I go with somebody who perhaps has been up to the pinnacle many times, then they know the route. Okay, this is the best way, the easiest way, the safest way. Let's, let's go this way. And anyway, if you go with him, you will likely enter, uh, get to the pinnacle safely, right? So this is the purpose of having a spiritual uh, father or an Abba. Every person has a biological father who participates in their entry into this world. The same is true with a spiritual father. And if you think about what a father does biologically, you'll find the same is similar in the church as well. For example, we are born partly from the uh, father, and we also find the same thing. All of us were born as Christians in the baptismal font by a priest. And it's through the hand of the priest we're nourished through the Eucharist, right? And it's by the hand of the priest we come and ask him to pray over a family member when they have passed away, right? The father is there through all of the times of life, just as a biological father ought to be as well. Um, in the ancient church, most of the believers who converted to Christianity were adults. And it was the responsibility of this father, this spiritual father, not only to baptize them, but to catechize them, to teach them about the faith, to catechize them, and also to lead them along their way uh, in virtue and godliness. Um, and of course, this is preserved until uh, this day through the sacrament of repentance and confession. When we come to Abuna and we confess, he is our spiritual father, and he guides us on the way to our godliness uh, and virtue. And this also protects us from the element of pride. It protects us from pride. Being one, one's own guide, it can be, it can be very easily misled. Especially nowadays, uh, with all the things that are going around, around us, there are a lot of, you know, ideas out there. And most of them, they promote the self. They promote the self. Even they have this new kind of mystical kind of spiritual, spirituality where, you know, I can meditate and do these different yoga things and all this. What's the purpose of this? So I can attain my own peace. Again, we need the, the peace that we truly get needs to come from outside of us. The Lord Jesus said, He who commits a sin is a slave of sin or is an addict of sin. If anybody knows anything about like the Alcoholics Anonymous or any kind of addiction program, the first thing you have to do is admit you're wrong or you have a problem. And number two, you have to realize that the solution can't come from within you. It has to come from outside of you. So if my problem is my addiction to sin, how can the solution come from within me? It needs to come from without of me. It needs to come from God. So all of these different you know, ideas of self-fulfillment, they are empty because it's just like a band-aid and we come back and the sin is still there. What's the biblical basis of this fatherhood? If you remember when the Lord, I believe we read this gospel yesterday evening in Vespers, 
When the Lord sent out his disciples right as his, as his before his ascension, he said to them what? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So what's happening here? Christ chose his 12 disciples and his apostles, and now he's telling them, you as disciples, go make more disciples. So Christ, Christ is the father of us all, and he tells his disciples who learned from him to go make more disciples. And those disciples, when they learn from their fathers, they will make their disciples. And this we have the apostolic succession, you know, until this day, right? So I gain from the spiritual father the experience of his father and his father from his father. So we have this succession of fatherhood. And this is what was the intention of the Lord uh, when he instituted the uh, apostolic rank. Also, we see St. Paul uh, in his letter to the Corinthians. What does he say to them? He says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. This verse is very clear that the early church practiced this idea of discipleship through having a spiritual father, a teacher. And he calls, St. Paul calls them my beloved children. Where St. Paul wasn't married, he didn't have any biological children, right? But he says what, these are my children, my spiritual children, whom I have begotten because I taught them the faith and, um, catechized them and had them baptized. And then he says, you might have many fathers or many instructors, but you don't have many fathers. So you might have many people telling you about Christ, but you don't have many fathers. And sometimes you might hear things or some people tell you something about Christ that sounds, you know, maybe a little bit different. So what do you do? I go ask my father. I go ask my spiritual father. Father, I've heard so and so and so. What do you think? Right? If I don't have the spiritual father, then it's up to me. I hear all these different things and I can get very confused. And I begin to formulate my own dogma, my own theology, and my own form of worship, my own way of fasting, my own way of praying. It becomes a... As, as I want. Also, we find St. Paul saying to the Thessalonians, he says, As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. As a father does his own children. So he warns them and guides them and, uh, and teaches them and protects them, just as a uh, father, a biological father does with his children. And it's not only in the New Testament. This idea of uh, spiritual fatherhood or discipleship was something even from the Old Testament. If you remember uh, Elijah and his disciple, who? Elisha. Do you remember when uh, Elijah told his disciple Elisha that I'm going to be you know, taken away? And he said, ask me something that you want before I, before I leave. And what did he say? He says, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. What does this mean? What does this mean? It means this is exactly what discipleship is. The life that you live, I want to live as well. The life that you live, I want to live as well. I want to learn from you. If I, is there some way to have your life in me, this is what I want. It's not a carbon copy because every two people are different. Everyone's different. But the way we practice our faith 
is it's yes it's um it's individualized for me but the principles is what i get from my spiritual father and how i apply it in my life the spiritual father is not going to tell you to do exactly what he does but he he tells you what you need to do for you it's individualized just as physician doesn't give everyone who comes in their office with a cold the same prescription depends on the symptoms depends on what stage of the disease they are and so on and then after he saw his uh, his father Elijah taken with a chariot of fire into heaven what does he scream he says my father my father the chariot of Israel and its horsemen if calling somebody father as some Christians believe the Protestants believe we shouldn't call anybody father if anybody if if this was the case then why didn't God come here and rebuke Elisha and say, or even Elijah, why didn't he say, don't call me father? You're not supposed to call anybody father except God. He didn't say anything. This permitted this to be so, right? He called him my father because he was his son. The same thing with Joshua and Moses uh, as well. So lastly, um, uh, what about the difference between spiritual father and a spiritual guide? Um, most of the time these are the same or they can be the same. Um, and it's sometimes best that they're the same, but it's not always any of the case because just like, you know, a, a primary care physician, they know the patient best because they come frequently, right? Um, this happens maybe uh, occasionally when I travel and go places, I'll get somebody who have no idea who they are. They say, when I want to confess. And actually before they confess, I can probably tell you what they want to confess. They want to confess something that they're embarrassed to tell to their spiritual father lest he gets a bad impression of them. So they want to tell this random priest who's coming to visit them so their conscience is clear. Imagine if we did this with our physician. Suppose I have like a pain or something maybe in my groin or somewhere that's maybe private and I don't want to tell my primary care physician. So I go to some random physician in a random town and tell him I just this symptom and he gives me a prescription. And I say, okay, I'll take this prescription. Not knowing everything else about you, this prescription can interact with another medication that you're taking that your primary care doctor gave you, and this ends up hurting you and putting you in the hospital. So all of this could have been any averted by what? Informing the one who takes care of you first, right? So uh, it's good to be the same, but it, um, uh, it doesn't always have to be. When are they different? Um, I put here a discomfort, but I want to put a little asterisk here because... Sometimes we'll go to our spiritual father and because we don't like what they say, this makes us feel uncomfortable. And you know nowadays, if we feel uncomfortable, God forbid we feel uncomfortable about anything or anybody makes us uncomfortable, we must find somebody else to make us comfortable and tell us what we want to hear. No, I'm not talking about this discomfort, right? If there's some kind of discomfort and incompatibility, maybe an understanding or a mindset, then we can, you know, we can switch. We can have a different father of confession. Um... So, discomfort, I'll put an asterisk by. Inadequate accessibility. Yes, yeah, wow. <laughs> Once every 10, 15 years. And meaning what? I don't have a father of confession and I don't care. That's what this means, right? So inadequate accessibility is a reason why we need to maybe switch. 
right? So if I go somewhere and I'll never, you know, uh, maybe sometimes people who move from Egypt, for example, again, the priests in Egypt with the time change, it's very difficult maybe to get a hold of them. If you can get a hold of them by phone, kwais, okay. But if not, there are many fathers here now in America who are perhaps maybe more accessible. And if I'm really serious about my spiritual life, يعني, I will choose someone that I can interact with face to face. With the cell phone, you know, many people can insult each other on the cell phone, right? And say horrible things to each other. But they will never dare say that in person, right? The same thing kind of is the same. Confessing over the phone and maybe for somebody يعني, you don't see or whatever, okay, I can say whatever because there's no really no repercussion. But when I sit in front of my spiritual father, and perhaps I committed a sin that I'm shameful of. And this is okay. I feel shame of sin that I commit. We should feel some shame when we commit sin. And I have to face my spiritual father. This was something that will help me to fight this sin, is the shame of having to sit in front of my spiritual father. And believe me, just as it happens to you, happens to me too. Right? All of us. Nobody likes to confess their sins. Right? But again, this is part of the healing process. It's very different. You know, now they have this telemedicine where you can just call a doctor, and it's maybe convenient. But it's not personalized, right? It's not personalized. So although confessing over the phone may be an option to some in some circumstances, but it's not what's best for our spiritual life. The third reason perhaps why we might, um, uh, the, father, the spiritual father might be different than the uh, spiritual guide is if there is a need for a specific, you know, uh, a specific specialty. For example, if there is somebody um, who is interested in the monastic life, right? You get the blessing and the guidance of your spiritual father. But then at one point, there would need to be involved a monastic, somebody who's uh, involved in this, uh, in this life. So oftentimes, you know, the spiritual father will guide them to maybe one of the monastic fathers to help them and guide them in this idea and their thoughts in this. So in some circumstances, there's, a, you know, needs of a specialty. Um, sometimes also people come and ask us, things as, as, as priests that have nothing to do with the priesthood. Abuna, how should I invest my money? The mother I was with, Sayyidina, and somebody called him from like Washington State. Well, not even in the diocese. And they asked Abuna, Sayyidina, I have uh, keza, keza money. Which stock should I buy? How does he know? He doesn't do the stock market, right? He's a clergyman. He can tell you where to invest it in heaven, but not in the stock market, right? If, uh, again, these kind of things, and he, they need specialists who are in that field, uh, the same thing, Annie, with the spiritual fathers. God willing, next week we'll, be, we'll speak about what are some precautions regarding spiritual fatherhood and how do I benefit the most from my spiritual father. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.